On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Marillion's Brave. Hello and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock and roll bands of all time, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode, I'm joined once again by my good friends, Ken Gregory, Tom Corcoran, and Paul Zotter. This episode, we will discuss Marillion's Brave. So, Brave is the seventh studio album by Marillion, released in 1994. It charted at number 10 on the UK album chart, being the last of the band's albums to reach the top 10 in the UK until Fear reached number four in 2016. Raw ranked Brave as one of the 20 greatest albums of 1994. In 2000, it was selected by Classic Rock as one of the 30 best albums of the 90s, and in 2003 as one of Rock's 30 greatest concept albums. So there you go. To put a little flavor in the soup, I, I, I remember 1994 very fondly as a year of just tremendous albums that came out. And so as I was preparing for this, I said, I wonder if there's a way to, to document this. And so, of course, the internet being the internet, you can find lists of all the albums that were released in a certain year. So yeah. here's here's some things that I wrote down. Now, this is this is my list. Your list is probably different. But in 1994, the following albums were released, in addition to Brave. Dogman, Tori Amos' second album, Under the Pink. Um, Yes's Talk, Pink Floyd's The Division Bell, Rollins' band Wait, Lives Throwing Copper, Beastie Boys' Ill Communication, Toad's Dulcinea, Portishead's Dummy, Jeff Buckley Grace, um, mm. Peter Gabriel's Secret World Live, um, Sinead O'Connor's Universal Mother, R.E.M.'s Monster, The Cult, The Cult, Queensryche's Promised Land, not Ooh. my big thing, but The Eagle's Hell Freezes Over, and Asia's Aria, which no one's ever heard it, but it's a really good album. So yeah. 1994 was a pretty damn good year. I went and I looked at 93 and 95 on either side, just as, you know, and and... I had difficulty getting to 10 albums in those years that excited me. So, you know, Brave was part of a spectacular year. When I remember that, really, it's it's Dulcinea, The Division Bell, and Dogman that really stick out in, in my head, obviously. But, um, you know, there was a lot of good stuff going on um, at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Joe, I remember those those were back in the days of the mixtapes. The mixtapes, uh, that's right. I remember I remember making you a tape called The Year of the Dog, which was nineteen ninety-four, because the, and there was some some uh, choices from uh, many of those albums that you just mentioned. Yeah, that was um Yeah, that was I some good that. stuff. I remember that really, really well. Now an interesting thing before we get into the uh, the album itself, I guess this must have I, I don't I wasn't really paying that much attention, but Brave was released originally on vinyl, and there was a double groove on side four. Yeah, so you could get one of two endings, 
one was the made again ending and then the other one was just um, the sound of water after the great escape giving you as it's been called the downer ending I just think that's fascinating you know the, the things that you yeah, I didn't even know that you could get a double groove until I until I read that yeah. myself so there you go and you know, the, and the um Imagine if you could program a CD to, to randomly give you a different ending to a to a to an album. That would yeah. be fun. Well, you know, in in a way, you can now because on the remastered version of Brave, they have the Great Escape, the Spiral Remix, which was that downer ending. Yep. And um, and it and I when I, you know I found the same thing, Joe, when I went and I listened to it, and it is not only. Um, not only does it skip Made Again, but it also takes out Fallen from the Moon, does which it? changes quite significantly and dramatically wow. sort of the emotional ending of, of The Great Escape. Yeah, yeah. So it just, it ends right after The Last of You? Yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, and, I mean, it's, 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 it's really cool, actually, but, you know... Not to skip to the very end, but, you know, Fallen from the Moon is, you know, not only is it preceded by, you know, 30 seconds of the most brilliant, um, you know, orchestral, you know, segue music ever. Um, it is just a phenomenal ending to all of what has transpired in in this uh, this tale. And, and then, of course, it ends with without a doubt, in my opinion, the greatest rock and roll guitar bend um, in progressive rock history by <laughs> Stephen Rothery. Is, is, is there a list on all that? And, and of course, that would, <laughs> that would explain this. Well, we wrote, uh, we wrote Brave and we were mixing the song. We uh, were mixing the album. We got to the end of it and we thought, Jesus, that's bleak. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. that's bleak. That's bleak. That's really bleak. <laughs> Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know, so that oh, oh, my head is exploding right now. So I'm. I, I, this is. So the the problem with cutting out "Fallen from the Moon" from the that last segment is that way way back um in the 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 um goodbye to all that uh the wave mad the opium den um there is a there is a segue piece that goes right into heart is love and you know it's um don't know what you're doing here when there's murder on the street i appreciate your concern but right. don't waste your time on me and he says i'm ashes on the water now and continues on and at the very end of fallen from the moon um after he sings the whole thing we hear the greatest rock and roll guitar bend in progressive rock history he he it's almost like a throwaway line where he sings i'm ashes on the water and like it is so powerful to me i mean i i've weeped at that part how it just ties the entire thing together and um that, to me, that was the that was the, the part about listening to that alternate ending that that was just hard for me because that part was completely removed.
Yeah, it might be fun to actually just try to find that part just so we can hear it together. What do you guys feel about that? If you can do it, go for Which it. Which part? Okay. What what song is this? The greatest band of rock and roll history, or do you want to hear the the? I no no no. I want to hear the greatest band in rock and roll history. Give me a second. Okay, I was going to try to find on my end, but if you can do it. Here it comes. Yes, right there. <laughs> and right here, right here. <laughs> oh, come on. That's uh, we didn't talk about the the movie mix and I don't have the movie because you know I couldn't pirate that. But um just kidding. <laughs> but but seriously, um the, the the movie takes out paper lies and yeah, doesn't yeah. have made again and i think that's more of what we're all going for here because no none of us can afford to give up falling from the moon um and 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 although you you speak praises over and over again about made again the story itself is really ends at falling from the moon do i have this right yes yes you do i'm tracking with you yeah yeah. Okay, and, and that's that's important because you could just listen to it and talk about it and review it just as brave, just as that core piece of it. Well, and and so I I had actually suggested to Paul offline that we should do a bonus episode on the movie. I've never seen it, um, but I I understand it's exactly as as you described it, and it was. It's very difficult for me to talk about this album because I can't get the 2013 performance from Montreal out of my head um, as, as I was thinking about this. That performance, you know, when, when you listen to Brave and, you know, Initially, when when I got it, and it was like, oh yeah, this is great. And I remember listening to it for a long time before it finally dawned on me that there was this continuing story here. All these pieces kind of, it's like, wait a second, wait, hold. Yeah. So I wasn't that bright, you know, whatever. And, and, and obviously, you know, we're going to have to talk about the production issues on the studio album, which can be very distracting at times with this. And yeah. I, I remember um, the live album they put out after Afraid of Sunlight, which I believe was called Made Again. The second CD yep. was this performed live. I had never seen it performed in its entirety live. I'd seen bits and pieces here and there. And, you know, it was... I always loved this album once I figured it out and it was very, very important to me. And like I said, it's, it's fortunate that I don't have a recording of the 2013 performance that Paul and I saw in Montreal, but my feeling at the time was it was an absolutely perfect performance and 
fully communicated the entire emotional weight of this album. It was it was almost indescribable being in that hall and the performance of the band and the reaction of the fans, everything was just off the charts. And, you know, it was at that point when, when you know, Hogarth explained, explained Made Again, because Made Again, when you listen to the whole album and, and you figure out the story, you're like, well, wait a second, how does this fit in? And, and you know, what caused this? And, you know, as he explained it, you know, they had this lyric sitting around and they said, well, this will be nice. So it's, it's close, but it doesn't fit on exactly. And, and I think that's, you know, that's what, what really does it. But at the same yeah. time, you know, one of the notes that I made about this is made again is necessary because I mean, without it, you, you know, as it's, it's almost, it's too much without it. You know, if if you listen to that too many times, you'd just be like, "Ooh, okay." But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what, you know, I always envisioned. Um, I, I always like in my head. I always envisioned "Made Again." Um, you know, sort of like the 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 end of Les Mis when everyone walks out in the white gown, like white gowns and the bright white lights, and it's you know. And, you know, we can, you know, we can, you can leave it up to your own beliefs or whatever. But like for me, Made Again, you know, it was always that, that there, you know, after such a tragic story that, that there would be some sort of, um, you know, redemption for the main character in, in you know, here or in, in another life or, you know, those troubled by it. Um, you know, the, the, the movie thing, when I was looking at the movie... Um, it, it, it said that something to the effect that the recording was ambiguous as to whether or not the character commits suicide um, and that the movie, it's not ambiguous. I never thought it was ambiguous in the recording. Like, I never thought there was any doubt. Um, I've always thought that at the end of Paper Lies, you actually hear, like, water splashing as if, you know, that's her jumping off the bridge. Um Nonetheless, I, I agree with you, Joe, 100%. Made Again is necessary. It may have, in fact, been what the intention of White Feather was at the end of Misplaced Childhood, except this hits the mark, in my opinion, where White Feather fell quite short. I, and, and I think that's an outstanding point because, you know, in my mind, I've always liked to, to line up the four... Fish albums with the first four Hogarth albums because again you had they started out it, it's the same sort of arc you have two albums of of quote unquote normal songs then you've got the the uh, the concept album front to back and then you have you follow it up with what I call the semi concept album you know where you've got sort of related themes but not all together. And, you know, again, I already made, I already made the comment that with Seasons End and Holidays in Eden, it was almost like a new band as the, the Hogarth and, and, and the, the other four tried to figure out how to, how to be what Marillion is, you know, and I don't know, I, I just, reading about this particular album, 
and, and given what we had talked about with Holidays in Eden and how sort of commercial and accessible that was or tried to be, and, you know, obviously EMI wanted to make money, and Marillion hands them this, they must have just been like, <laughs> what is wrong with these knuckleheads? But, you know, it's it's brilliant. It really, really is. And it's, it's, it's funny... One of the things that, that stick out to me, and, and Tom, I remember we've had many a conversation about this album, specifically sort of the the beginning middle point, um, you know, with with Mad, the Opium Den, the Slide, Standing in the Swing, sort of that transitional portion of it. And, and what I find interesting is, you know, in, in my experience in Montreal, as well as the the two live versions of this album that I have and listened to um, for this podcast, that section works so much better live. And it's like they just didn't know how to record it properly or something. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but it, it used to confuse me as well. But... In the live setting, for some reason, that section seems to work a whole lot better. I, I don't understand it, but there it is. Well, <clears throat> Made Again is, is, is genius. I have no qualms about <clears throat> saying that that's really an as, as best. Um, I agree with you. I, I, I think that they probably... Um, you know, there was still a new band for them, and they probably, probably, I think, came out with this album too early. Uh, maybe they, in retrospect, you know, to come out with an album like this, um, they it should have maybe been, you know, maybe their fifth or sixth, seventh album, um, and they could have had a little bit more continuity or cohesion between everything. Um, but again, it's just my my thought. I, I don't want to take anything away from the album. Um, you know, it's. I mean, Made Again is is brilliant. I mean, it's just uh, it, it'll always be just the quintessential Merillion song, and you can't you can't take that away um, from from these guys. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm not really going to say too much about this. Because I just, my heart isn't isn't as brave as your guys. So I would actually like to, um, maybe instead of talking about it, ask you guys a question. Like, um, do you, um, we were talking about holidays in Eden. Like, how did you guys feel when, so you go from their most commercial record to this? Um, and I know at the time, you know, you guys, some of you guys had problems with, with, with holidays. So was it, did you automatically love this record or did it no. take you time or was it just like, oh, wait a minute, this is the Merlion album I've been waiting for from the get. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, I didn't love it immediately. In fact, I think that this, except for one one strange situation where I found myself in like whatever whatever was the version of Sam Goody in 1994 at the Park City Mall, and I and like you know the you know they have those canned 
ads for songs, you know, playing over the speakers. And there was some guy saying, and here's the latest from the band Marillion with Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury. And they started the song. Outside of that happening, it, w it was almost like a, um, I don't even know how I found out this album came out. I think it was probably either I stumbled upon it or Joe told me it just, there, w there was almost like a promotional blackout on Marillion at this point in time. And I picked up Brave and I was doing a lot of driving in that, in that span of time. And it took me, it may have taken me the better part of a year to even realize it was a concept album. Um, this album is so long and it, and there, there's it, when you first put it on and start listening to it, there's all these different things happening. Um, I found different pieces and bits and pieces that I really liked throughout. And, but when it took me so long to really get into this song, to get into this album and to really get it and understand it, Afraid of Sunlight was already out and I was already listening to that while I was um, enjoying Brave. In fact, I think I saw the Afraid of Sunlight show at the TLA and I think watching the performances of, um, I think they did Heart is Love, um, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury, Brave and The Great Escape. Watching those performances sort of catapulted my um my fervor for brave and i and i started going back and listening to it and then it was probably then that i really started to to just kind of get the whole thing together and be able to listen to it front to back and really start to absorb all of it, it took forever oh, wow. yeah. how, how about you joe yeah it was it was pretty much the same thing i mean it was you know, back in, in 94, I was still probably pretty bitter about Holidays in Eden. And so at first blush, this was more what I was looking for. But but like Paul said, it, it took me a while to figure out what exactly I was dealing with. Because you had, you know, it, it starts out, you know, kind of slow and builds. And then you've got, you know, there are a couple of... of discernible songs in there and there are big stretches of sort of connective tissue and and with with Steve it's it was much harder to discern that it was a cohesive piece because Steve you know as we've already discussed is is going to and and it's funny because Paul mentioned this in his emails back in the day his his perspective is all over the place. He's he's in the story. He's out of the story. He's you know at different times. In the, you know it's it's hard to keep up. Whereas misplaced childhood and, and fish in general was was really much more in your face, and it was it was easier to latch on to what you were dealing with. And it was you know it was one of those things where you know I I don't remember the exact time, but I I remember sort of as I started to figure it out and it was it was you know it drove me to the to the booklet and I'm like I gotta look at these lyrics because I, I I just you know I started to piece it together and and you're like whoa whoa oh oh okay I mean there were there were parts of it that I liked initially but I didn't learn to love the album until later likewise I didn't learn 
uh, I didn't know Brave so much existed. Uh, when, when you guys, years later, got me into Afraid of Sunlight, um, somehow that connected very easily to Strange Engine. That was just a great, easy experience. But going backwards to Brave, it, it didn't actually... Yeah, I, I, I missed it completely. Um, and, and I think in order to get hooked into it, I would have needed to, uh, to have the experience that you had, Paul. Uh, like, you know, seeing Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury live. And uh, oh, Mark Kelly's brilliant backing vocals in the chorus oh. and Alone Again in the yeah. Lap of Luxury. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. those things are lost in the deep, is it, what, Dave Megan production? Or yeah. who is it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A Our lot of... A lot a lot of the glory moments that you just want to get out of Brave are, you know, reverb to mush in the production, which which could be, you know, why the live is just so inspiring because it's like you can finally grasp what was under there, you know. Mm. You know, and, and yeah. it, it, the the production on this is it's almost criminal, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know I, I can only imagine you know what what this would have sounded like if it had been done properly and and you know that's that's a lot of you know wave is one of those things wave is is one of those first you know sonic farts that comes out in in the Dave Megan era and you, your speaker just goes blah, blah, and you're like what the hell's that you know? yeah. And, and like I said, live it actually works, and you're like, oh, that's what they were trying to do. And it, it's it's just a shame, you know. And and like Tom says, you know, you're you're just you're riding you're riding the volume knob the entire way through this thing, which is you know, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. But, but I you I, know I I I think it's important that we cut Dave Megan a little slack, um, at least here. Okay. Um, there may be some, there may be some future transgressions that we we won't, but. You know, when I, I was thinking a lot about this in the last couple of weeks, and and I was as I was thinking, and you mentioned another album, um, uh, I think in in this year, which was um, which was Yes's Talk, I think yeah. possibly yep. in this time frame, and you know, I remember Talk actually having on the CD, it had a warning that there was such a vast dynamic range that you had to be careful <laughs> to damage, you might damage your speakers, and. You know, we 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 were at the we were at the forefront of digital recording and digital everything was digital all of a sudden, and I don't know if this was recorded digitally or not, but but there was this um there I think there was a little bit more of this interplay with dynamics, particularly in progressive music, where they were really enjoying the fact that wow we can make these really quiet sounds and they sound beautiful like there's not tape hiss and there's not all the you know, the, and I and I think that that is is contributing to some of this, and it's only, you know, a couple decades later where, you know, everything is just so compressed that everything stays the same volume, and you don't have as many issues with this. Um, and and maybe maybe bands like Marillion are the purists, where they're, you know, they're trying to 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 really present the dynamics as they might be in a live in a live performance. So I just want to balance that. And and I you know, Joe, I've been one of the, the most critical people of Dave Megan over the years. So I feel I necessary to, to I was surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> mm. But 
you know, it's it's certainly a valid point. So we'll give uh, we'll give Dave a little slack here. And you know, I have to imagine, you know, listening to this on, uh, you know, a truly kick-ass setup, you know, that can handle sort of these dynamic ranges yeah. is probably, you know, probably a different experience. Um, not something I've yeah. had for many, many a year. So, you know, and even even in my heyday when I was spending money on this, I didn't have a setup that really could handle, you know, I think a lot of what we're dealing with here. Yep, it did. Oh, but you have, to, you have to listen. I, 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 I have such a new appreciation uh, being able to drive around in the car and listen to this stuff for Peter Wavis and the melody and the punch and, of course, the interplay with Ian and... Um, yeah, I think there, there. You do want to listen loud, and you know it's not, it's not just, just for the vibration. It's not just for that immersion. It's there's actually, you know, melody and content in there. Once you, once you really, once you really turn it up. Have, have you guys? So, uh, real quick, probably tonight after get. Uh, off this with you guys, I'm probably going to watch this Marillion Brave Live 2013. So is this the one? Is there only one of these? This is the Montreal yeah. one? No. I, I kind of want to experience the, 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 this. The recording is from the same year, but it's the Holland show, not the Montreal show that Paul and I saw. Okay. Now, so I guess my next question is, have you seen this version? The I one haven't seen I, I have the audio. I've listened to it. Um, uh, Paul has... You've seen the video, right, Paul? I, I, I just watched it. Yeah. 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 I, I had it, a great time watching it, Tom. Okay. All right. Well, because what you guys are saying is... Um, which is, you know, what we've been always saying, really, but just you guys like it more, is that um, live, they sort of come... It comes to fruition the way it was meant to be. Um, there isn't the crazy ups and downs and, and, and dynamics. Um, and if there is, it's it's more um, thought out, uh, and, and it, it's uh, it you're able to take it in better. Um, so I'm, I'm going to watch this, and uh, which I should have done previously to this, but um, being that you guys have talked about. No, oh no! I mean, being that you guys have talked, you're talking about the live version differently than you're talking about the the album, the the, the studio album. And uh, this is something that we've always talked about: these dynamic changes that really ostracize, um, really keep us distant from what it is we're supposed to be listening to. Sometimes, I mean, it really um, can be problematic. So maybe, just maybe. I need to watch this Merlion Brave Live 2013 from start to finish. And would would you do any of you think that I might come to a different conclusion after listening to this as to listening to the studio album? I you know I I don't know because like I said when when we saw that show and 
where did they where did the intermission, Paul? It was after Heart is Love, wasn't it? Before the Hollow Man? Um I think that was the first time they stopped for applause. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Their heart is love. Yeah. And and honestly, it they needed to at that point. Everyone sort of needed to sort of stop and catch their breath. It it was like I said, it was it was it was indescribable just how immersed in this in the story and and how everything about it just took you right there. And as stupid as it sounds, you were feeling everything. And I'm not talking about the physical vibration of the sound. You were emotionally feeling, you know, this girl's pain through all of this and, and you know, where she was going. It was It was incredible to the point where I don't honestly recall you know what Steve sounded like. I, I I couldn't tell you that, but I just I remember being so immersed in the experience. And then, of course, when you come back into it in the second half of that, from the Hollow Man on, it just ramped it up even more, and yeah. literally to the point where I I was on the verge of of actually weeping at falling from the moon. It just. It was it was amazing. When I listened to to the uh, the live 2013 CD as I was getting into this, actually, when I first got it, probably back in 2015, the first time I heard it, I almost had the same reaction. When I listened to it this time with a more critical ear, there's a lot of it that I don't want to say Hogarth was having a a bad night because I think what he was doing was saving himself for the end. Um, because, you know, as I listened to that particular performance, there, there are a lot of things where he's not quite where he, I think he needs to be. And you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is going off the rails. But when he gets to the great escape and suddenly he, he delivers everything that he needs to at that point, you're like, Oh, okay, I get it. Um, I don't remember if he did that with us or not. So I, I don't, I can't guarantee you're going to have the same experience, but I will say that from, from musical point of view, I think it, it translates very well live. And, you know, when I listened to the version on made again, I had a very similar experience in that musically, it seems much more sort of, you know, steady, if you will, but it, that still didn't pack the emotional impact um, that that I recalled feeling in Montreal. Yeah, if you could scrap, uh, if oh, you could ahead, scrap Jim. one track, what would it be from the core Brave story? Paper lies. Paper lies, without a question. It's uh, for for me, heart is love and paper lies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could I could deal without either one yeah. of those. Um, Part of love for a second, for sure. But, but paper lies and hard, hard as love. It, it's interesting because when you think about the story, with the exception of the Hollow Man, they're the two that sort of exist outside, looking in, as as yeah. I understand them. 
you know, and, and I think that's, you know, for me, I like being in that story and the way that Hogarth communicates that um, to me. Mm, mm. So, yeah, Tom, also, when, you do, when you do your listen, now you know what to skip. There you go. <laughs> also, also, two of the three songs credited with, um, well, four songs, I guess, credited with um, Helmer lyrics. Um, oh, actually, that's, yeah, that's about right. Um, so, you know, one, one thing that I, I thought about is, as Joe was talking, and I thought about this before, about the experience in Montreal, is that, you know, we've shared how, like, this, this album... You know, we were talking about how accessible Holidays in Eden was, right? You can put that on, and if you've never heard Marillion before in your life, you can instantly like songs off of off of Holidays in Eden. And and I think for the diehard Marillion fans who had just consumed and enjoyed Season's End and were on the edge of their seats wondering what was going to happen with H Hogmar. Um. The, it was the last thing that they wanted. The last thing that they wanted was a accessible pop. Now, again, I loved it, and it was it was you know to me it was very much a ticket to the game to Hogmar. But at the same time, Brave, as we've discussed, is really not very accessible. You you really need to try to listen to it. You need to put effort into hearing it because even songs that are just when you if you slice them out and listen to them like like Runaway Girl. That song is a classic Marillion song in every in every sense of the way. Even slicing that song out, it's hard to really understand how it fits into this huge album. So, and I, I know there was talk about there wasn't a lot of promotion behind this. Like, it didn't get much critical acclaim. Um, there seemed to be a you know, there just seemed to be like a, a void in this. Like it didn't, it didn't hit the way I think the the band thought it was going to hit, and the fans didn't quite get it, you know. And then a year later, they had "Afraid of Sunlight" was out, and I feel like part of that, the magic of Montreal, and probably you know at the other weekend um, locations, was that after nine years or however long it had been at that point, I guess it had been twenty years. How long? I can't. I don't even know how long was it. Almost twenty years. That you know, we all got it now. Everybody was, you know, everyone emotionally in their understanding of this piece of music was where the band was in 1994 after they spent nine months working on it and putting it together. And, and it was sort of this, you know, like sort of arrival point, you know, no pun intended, 20 years too late, right? Yeah. Like we like all got there in 2013 and it was like, it was this explosion of like, we finally all got here together where I don't think there was as much of that um, from the masses. And maybe that's just me. Uh, maybe that wasn't the same, but, but I, I wonder if that's part of that emotional part, Joe, cause you're right. I, I, I mean, maybe the, the audio of that Montreal show, maybe Hogarth is terrible. Maybe he's flat and missing stuff all over. I would never know because it was one of the most powerful performances I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, then that answers my question. I definitely need to to listen to this then, because I mean, it sounds like that's the the way it should have been. That's the way it was made to be heard. So I'm, I'm and, eagerly going to listen to this tonight. One one of the things about Paper Lies too, and especially 
um, in the video version, the, the, uh, the DVD. Paper Lies offers a little bit of, I don't know that I would say comic relief, but there's some satirical yeah. relief that Paper Lies pr provides and the way that that Hogarth presents it in the live setting and the way the video is in the back, it, it, it gives you sort of that emotional break that you need after so much and about what's to come. So it's, it's um, as, as much as I would immediately remove this from the list of, if I had to, Ken, I, there, there, it sort of has that role of levity um, that's needed. Yeah, and, 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 and that was an important part of the Montreal experience. Like I said, it, giving us those, those areas where you could, you know, as I was listening to this again, I was sort of, I was marveling at Hogarth's ability for storytelling and how they really married that to the music to, to get you to feel these things. And, and really, even from the very beginning, Living With The Big Lie, I think is very cleverly done in that, you know, it, it starts from the very beginning and it, it, it sort of, it creates this, this, you know, amount of tension with the things that you deal with from birth and sort of the things that you, you get used to, you learn to accept. And then you move on to the next verse and things get a little, they ratchet up a little bit more and you feel the tension build a little bit more and then you sort of learn how to live with that. And then it builds again, you know, and, and it's, it lays sort of the, the foundation for this story and, you know, how you can wind up in a situation 20 years down the road where, you know, you're overwhelmed because you've learned through all of your previous experiences to just deal with these things. And, and that, you know, that facet of it is something that, you know, that was probably one of the last things I learned to appreciate in this, in this album, because, you know, Paul, you had mentioned, um, the previously the relationship, where is it now? Um, you know, between the end of goodbye to all that and then the great escape, you know, when, once you figure yeah. out the story, you know, for me, the great escape is like, oh yeah, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. But, but I don't know, you know, I don't know if the great escape would, would pay off as well if it wasn't, if it wasn't built up so well and expertly from the very beginning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The emotional, the the emotional quality of the Great Escape is so much more. I mean, it, it's a beautiful song. Um, it's powerful. It's dark, and yet it, it it's beautiful at the end, and it, it's just fantastic on its own. But you don't have I, I you know I'll say this I don't know that Stephen Rothery's bend at the end of that is the greatest bend in rock and roll uh, history. <laughs> um, if you don't have that emotional buildup from the whole, because that's, you know, that's the moment right there. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the other thing that I thought about the great escape, you know, again, it, it, it brings in these different levels of, of the story. It's like, you know, there's, there's that sort of, 
look, there's nothing you can do for me aspect. Then there's sort of the the anger aspect, and then there's yeah. the acceptance aspect. It's like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is why I have to do this. And it, it's it's I just find it amazing. Yeah. Mm. All right. That, 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 that's where I uh, sneak away, but this has been amazing. You, I, I, I trust you guys to do a poetic wrap-up here and Tom to come in with some levity. So uh, this has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, the, 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 the content was really difficult for me coming back to this. It took me a couple days just to get over the tragedy of the story uh, and before I could settle into it and just oh, yeah. appreciate it as art. Um, so uh, just, 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 just not hearing it for so long, coming back to it, remembering how difficult it was um, I just relived, you know, what it was when I first heard it since I'd been away so long. And yeah, yeah, it's difficult. That, 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 that's, that's why, you know, it, it takes people 17 years or whatnot to, <laughs> to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think you're right on, man. That's great. Yeah. 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 And then, and then after that, okay, then it's, it's, it's the music and it's the feeling and it's the, 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 the wonderful, the wonderful talent that they have all right peace out gentlemen kenny g thanks man right now as soon right as i now. hang up <laughs> i might watch it again too i might go watch it right now too i don't i don't have it so i can't watch it but well it's on it's on youtube i'm gonna watch oh, it on youtube it? okay yeah i mean i yeah i'm just gonna um i mean i have it right up on youtube right now i'm just i'm gonna sit back and watch it and um and just enjoy it, and just and just relax. And uh, I, I, re I really need the session. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, taking this in, in a in a, in a different uh, medium, so to speak. And the, the different medium being, um, you know, as you guys brought up, 20 years later from the from the studio uh, version, and uh, having 20 years of experience. You know, just playing together and maybe coming up with something that was, um, you know, a little bit more mature, and not to say that you know, Brave isn't mature, but you you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Yeah, I would. I'm I'm going to watch it right now. So I think it. I think yeah. it's, I think it's funny. You know, we've we've basically we've covered <laughs> we we've spent two hours covering three albums almost. I don't think mm -hmm. the next two episodes are going to, to be quite so <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing, Joe. Quite I was so like, long. we're not going to be able to talk this much about the next, about Merlion.com. Yeah, I think I think the well, next episode I mean, is going to be all really of this strange engine. We really have to engine. stick to the schedule. I mean, I think the schedule should be a template. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. Progressive Palaver is available on both iTunes and Google Play. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to please leave us uh, a rating and, uh, and feedback on those sites. 
You can also send us your comments or your questions directly via email at progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. And you can also follow our feeds on both Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are Progressive Palaver. We look forward to uh, seeing you next time when we will be discussing Afraid of Sunlight. <laughs>